Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Yeah, another round of the 10K toy giveaway with Johnson and Perrett coming up uh, later this morning. I think it's we're doing it between 10 and 11. I'll let you know that for sure shortly. But we're definitely doing it once between now and 12. Huge response all last week to this on the show. And we two winners with Lorraine in the evening. So we'll see if we can better or equal that this week. Right, let's look also at a second giveaway that we got. It's with Sanitize Ireland. Our good friends there have given us a, a bunch of prizes for you this week and that's coming up also across the core of the morning. And I will want to be engaging in your headline writing skills. Alright, I'll give you a story that's in the news and I want you to write a headline. Uh, I want you to write a, a nice quirky, yeah, take the mickey if you want to, headline. Alright, eighteen fifty seven one five. 996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Were you downtown Saturday? Now, there were lots of people in town on Saturday. Lots and lots and lots of people. And a lot of them just families. Getting out for a walk. If they're within their 5K, great. I, I would question whether everybody was, but sure, that's how it is. Walking around, looking at the shop windows, admiring the Christmas lights, maybe stopping for a takeaway coffee and that kind. That's fine. That's not what I'm on about here. Were you in town on Saturday night? Were you down by the library? Were you over Don Square? Were you down queuing outside any one of the pubs around town? Were you just hanging about with your bag of cans and your and your naggins? Which in, in itself is, is no harm at all either. But we definitely have a problem. We definitely have a problem. You will have seen, you may well have seen, if not, you should have seen this video somewhere by now. This is lockdown level five. You see this, and the guards are running after teenagers and are making so much noise and trouble. It's just crazy. It's totally out of hand, as you can see here totally out of control it's crazy i'm telling you i've never seen this even in movies now that video went viral over the weekend it made national news it made the newspaper websites it was recorded by a guy called ali hamu who's been living in cork now for a number of years and i caught up for a conversation with ali hamu last evening Ali, thank you very much for taking our call. Your video was shared with me by a friend uh, very shortly before it started to go viral on Saturday night. You would regularly be in that part of town, wouldn't you? Yes, PJ, thank you very much for calling me. And yes, again, we are at that very spot every Saturday night from 7 till until half past 8 or 9 until we finish the food, as uh, it is shown on the video that we are a charity called One Human Community. Yes, and you meet and help homeless and poor people on a Saturday night to give them food parcels and things, is that it? Correct. Okay, so you know the area well. So so what was unusual about Saturday night last? I definitely know the area well and know Cork well because I lived here for the past 20 years. So this is just for the audience to know uh, that I know what I'm talking about. What happened last week, uh, last night, is not new. It happened last week and the week before. Uh, it just I didn't make news last week. There was guards and there were ambulance and there was people hurt. 
last night was kind of a, a close to it in 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 terms of how bad it was. Um, people were there, youngsters mainly, loads of them, close to a thousand people, starting from electric restaurant by the river there, the and the you know, the pedestrian bridge, going all the way back to uh, Don Square by Deeds and Centra. Uh, the number of people was just staggering. Um, they they were they were all intoxicated. Well, I I cannot say all of them one by one, but the majority were were drunk and they were there from like early afternoon. What age group was there, Ali? That you saw? The age group were were, were they were all. Uh, they were all young men, but they, I doubt there was anyone under 18, uh, to be fair now. Um, I saw a guard officer stopping one of the youngsters and asking him for ID because he had drink and he was drinking. So I think, I think, uh, and I'm assuming they were all over 18, yeah. Now, the drink that you saw, did that look like it was coming from pub takeaway or off license was it cans and bottles or was it pints um, to be honest I did not be I didn't pay attention but there were cans and there were cups I don't know where they were getting them from but there were, there were loads of cans the, uh, the whole area was full of cans and cups but to be honest with you, and, and this is for fairness sake to the people who are out there as well and people who are listening, um, there were a mix of, of all bottles, cans and cups. And, so, but I cannot tell you where they come from. I don't drink myself. I really don't know much about drinks. Of course. But I saw, I saw people uh, carrying drinks. Now, the incident that you filmed, describe it for me. Um. Okay, so we started at 7 o'clock. There was uh, a bit of a crowd, but we didn't kind of, you know, we didn't pay attention because we, we, we usually start and get busy and we have people to look after and all that. But when it calmed down a bit, say around 8 o'clock, um, what drew my attention was a guard running after a man. Uh, I cannot. I only saw them from the back. I I did not see the young man or an old man or what age category was. It was a tall man. So running after him through um, a Grand Parade, past us, past Hillbillies, and turned into uh, was that Tucky Street? Tucky Street. Yeah, yeah. So there, where I lost them. At that moment, I started recording. So that, the, the, the two of them run in, and then next thing I turn the other side, towards the right-hand side, towards the, the, um, the river, and I see a crowd, huge, like flood, loads of people, like I said, youngsters, following that. And next thing there was other four guardy running, I, and I was like... What's going on? Looked back to the right, saw a van come in, a Garda, Garda van, and that that was it. Those when when they reached 
uh, hail billies, I I stopped at the recording because I I was afraid someone will uh, will 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 not like that and kind of pick on me. So I said it's better it will be safer if I stop recording right here. Did the guard car come up onto the pavement, Ali? Yes. Yeah. And they drove through from where um, the park entrance, where um, what's that? The Deep South pub there. Yes. And then they came all the way to Hillbillies. You don't know if they caught anybody? Um, to be honest, when I saw things getting that bad, I asked the group members to pack it up and leave. Um, I heard that there was an arrest, uh, but I did not see it myself. I did not witness it. Sure. Uh, about what time was this, Ali? All this was, say, around 8 o'clock. So quite early? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It certainly was a frightening a frightening scene for anybody who'd be unaccustomed to it. You said this kind of thing happened last week as well and the week and the week before. Now, for someone who is there every week yourself, mm. has the atmosphere changed, Ali? Like, would you be... You, you said you stopped filming because you were getting fearful. Yes. Um, has the atmosphere changed? Yes, big time. And I only noticed this for the past two weeks. Last week... Um, like really, I I mean it. I really I, I was afraid for our volunteers, so I asked them to pack it up and leave. It was it was not safe in Grand Parade. I don't know elsewhere, but right there where we were by the library, um, it was it was not it was not safe for anyone to be there. It was it was really scary. Were your volunteers being intimidated? Oh, no, 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 no. We didn't. We, I usually would ask the members to leave the moment there is some trouble. Any, any sign of trouble, we leave. We don't, we don't wait until we get involved. Yeah. This is what, this is my policy. The moment I see something around, I just ask everyone to pack it up and we pack it up and we go. Because the majority of our volunteers are foreigners and, you know, they're easy to pick on and we don't want to be in the middle of it. Don't want to be caught in the middle of it. But the only reason I took the video, and I took, I did not take it as a volunteer, but I took it as just, um, um, how would I put it? A bystander, an onlooker? A bystander, that's what it is. Just so people out there would know the situation. I have been getting some uh, angry messages from angry people. I was criticized for that, for um, recording and putting it on my Facebook page. But I think there is a law here that people are free to record and put on their Facebook page. And I did not make it up. It is fact. It is reality. it It was there. Yes, and uh, I just felt like that is a danger to the society. Yes, so all my only worries, my, my only concern, is that we are in the middle of a, a, a pandemic, and anyone could be a career and take it to others. Just imagine one of those youngsters had it, another one picks it up, takes it home, 
only God knows who is whom. It could be an elderly person, it could be a sick person, and so on and so forth. I myself have a chronic asthma. I have a very weak uh, immune system. So if I am exposed to that, uh, I'm a goner. So I, I, I don't want it to happen to me, and I don't want it to happen to others. Yeah. Ali, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Oh, no problem at all. My pleasure. I just hope uh, the, the, my videos have served a purpose, and that's only for information. I am I, I'm not any. I don't have any political affiliation. I don't support anyone. I wanted people to know what's going on. Uh, the society needs to 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 stand up for something. Either either we all rebel and go out, or we all put up with this and be patient until this lockdown is through and safely for everyone in the society. Ali, look after yourself and, and thank you for the work that you do with our poor and our homeless. Oh, no problem at all. It is our pleasure. I came into the, this is an addition thing. I hope uh, you have time for it. Yes, please do. I came to this country as an asylum seeker and I was taken care of and the society took care of me. So now it is time for me to to give back and pay back. Okay, I am, I am the founder of, of, the, of the, uh, the charity and the manager, and I wanted this to happen by foreigners, and I encourage this so they will all. So the society needs everyone, not only in an Irish uh, charity, but anyone else who can help, it is good. Remind me again of the name of your charity, Ali. One Human Community. One human community. Well, keep up the fantastic work that you're doing and thank you for it. No problem at all. It is my pleasure. Thank you very much for calling me. That's Ali Hamu speaking to the Opinion Line last evening about the video that he took Friday or Saturday night, rather, down uh, on the Grand Parade. Were you there? Would you agree with his description? I thought it was fair, honest, balanced. He didn't talk about anything he didn't see. If he didn't see something, he was very honest that he didn't see it. But he said it was frightening. And he said it's getting worse. And he said it's, there are crowds gathering there every Saturday. And he's noticed a change in the atmosphere over the last couple of weeks. It's, look, that's blunt. That's a guy who's doing his fantastic voluntary work there outside the library every every Saturday night. 1850-715-996. I'd like your thoughts. In fact, let us get the thoughts of our first citizen, uh, Lord Mayor Joe Cavanagh joins the opinion line. Joe, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Now, I, I know you probably saw the video. There's the guy who filmed it. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts, PJ, are... I mean, I saw that video over the weekend and I've been talking to a number of people over the weekend. And, look, I feel sorry for the Gardaí. They've been run off their feet. Um, we have been shouting from the rooftops, as in fairness you guys have uh, and the media, about encouraging people to to, to uh, maintain and re- their social distancing and avoid gathering in big groups. And this flies in the face of it, really, to be honest with you. Mm. And my big concern, PJ, my big concern is providing a fertile ground for this virus to spread, which is effectively what large gatherings do. We have a business community, as you well know, and your, and your station is a great supporter of our, our city centre business community, that has been starved of footfall. And, you know, we, we have a six-week uh, lockdown here in place, and we're nearing the end of it. And, you know, when I see large gatherings like this, it really does put the brakes on a potential 
um, res- uh, restric- uh, of restrictions as yeah. such. And I yeah. hope to God now there's an easing of restrictions because, uh, you know, our, our community need a free run into, into Christmas. Our retail sector and our hospitality sector have been starved of footfall and starved of business through 2020. Yeah. And they need our support like never before. And the last thing they want to see is what we saw on the media platforms over the weekend. No, I suppose, Lord Mayor, it's important centre. that we make a distinction here. We're not talking here about people who came in with their kids to see the no, lights no, and see not. the shop I encourage windows. people to come in with their kids for the Christmas lights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're not talking about those people. And there was a lot of them there and the, the atmosphere yeah. was quite good. Some lovely photographs yesterday uh, being shared. Actually, I think John, Councillor John Maher shared some lovely photographs on his social media of just families hanging around, do what every family wants to do five weeks yeah. to Christmas. With the proviso, of course, that you're within your 5K, which is which is important. But it was sort of happened down on, on the Grand Parade and things like it. That's what that's what you're hitting out at. I'm hitting out at that, PJ. And also, there's lots of communities. I mean, I've been inundated with phone calls from, from residents um, concerned about large gatherings of young people, you know, drinking in estates around the city and stuff like that. And that's going on. And look, I understand young people are frustrated. And they are, in fairness. We were all young once. And people need an outlet to, to socialise and so on. But this isn't the time. And I'm appealing to young people to please give us a chance to try and get this virus under control and try and avoid, work with us to try and get us to a situation where we can control the virus. But large gatherings like what went on in the Grand Parade over the weekend and gatherings such as that in communities around the city, and I know of a number already around the city, it doesn't help the situation and it looks no PJ and we've been discussing this for a long time that it's the vaccine really that's going to come in the new year sometime in 2021 that's going to be the I suppose the deal breaker in this because we certainly are finding it very hard to to, to, to conquer this disease uh, using you know the uh, human behaviour and trying to get people to fall in line and, uh, you know and, and get complete and utter collective buy-in from everybody in fairness Well I, I suppose Joe people are tired of it now of and, and they when are. they see things happening like and let's let's yeah. call a spade a spade here they saw Golfgate and and yeah. they saw the RTE story and and they've seen yeah. many more they've seen a sort of one rule for the great and the good and one rule for them and they're kicking back against it a little and it's hard to blame people of course frustration is in there and I, I certainly don't blame people and you know whatever about Golfgate and things like that I mean PJ as, as Lord Mayor, and you know you've followed enough Lord Mayors over the years, you know what a Lord Mayor does from one end of the week to the other. Yes. Um, I have completely and utterly reinvented the role of Lord Mayor, the type of stuff that I've done. I mean, no school visits, um, there's all the charity functions that, that I participate in, and God knows the funding that's provided mm-hmm. by dinners and lunches and, you they're, know, they're not events. on anyway. Even if you, went, anymore, if, if you, you wanted know, to go to them, they're not on. Yes, and, and you've attended a hell of a lot of them. You attend them every week yourself, and you know yourself the, the, the amount of funding that provides to the wonderful charities we have in our city. So everybody has had to reinvent themselves. Yeah. And, and nobody, there, there isn't anybody untouched by the effects of the lockdown and the restrictions of this virus. And, you know, we have to, we all make our sacrifices. We all have to try and make a little bit of... Uh, personal sacrifice and reinvent ourselves and hopefully we'll come out the right side of it and the most important thing PJ people shop local support your local business (laughs) but do it safely 
do okay. it as safely as you possibly can. That's, that's of critical importance, PJ. Okay. All right. Listen, Lord Bear Joe Cavanaugh, thank you for your time this morning. 1850-715-996. People coming in to see the lights, the shop windows, the, the festive preparations, is if, if you want. We're not talking about that. Well, unless you were coming from Carrigaline, unless you were coming from Grenada, unless you were coming from Middleton, unless you were coming from anywhere outside of 5K, then you shouldn't have been there. Unfortunately, that's, that's, that's how it is. But that's not the people we're talking about. We're talking about the people who gathered drinking in the streets. Uh, did Ali confirm says this, that a squad car actually drove down a footpath Frightening if it happened. They did, yeah. He, he, I asked him that. They drove down there past the fountain, chasing around into Tucky Street. Locked them up for six weeks, says Con. They should stop the pub selling takeaway drink and the Gardaí should enforce the bylaws. This would stop the carnival atmosphere. To be fair to the pubs, yeah, it's not helping the situation, but it's not causing it all either. A lot of the pubs pulled their sales around half eight on Saturday night. But at the same time... The, the fact that they're open is what's attracting some people into town. But there's a lot more to this than just blaming the pubs. He videoed a normal night... Oh, God. BS says this. He, he videoed a normal night in Cork City and sensationalised it. There was people walking and skateboarding. They didn't seem to be fearing for their lives. This is a diversion from what is really happening. A failing health system, an understaffed guard the force, and a useless political system. Shame on 96FM for making this video bigger than it is. Okay, you're entitled to that view. Uh, If that's normal in the city, squad cars going down footpaths chasing fellas into Tucky Street, if that's normal on Saturday night, then I don't want that as a normal. Drove down Old Plunkett Street at 5.20 Saturday. Place was packed from one end to another. Huge crowd by the GPO posting Santa letters into the big Santa figures. My point is, it's not confined to people drinking. Lots of people were out and about. No, PJ, the majority of people in town Saturday night weren't drunk somewhere. As the slogan said, are we in this together? The scenes from Ballyporeen after Tip's win were not good. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. There's a video going around from Ballyporeen County Tip after the win yesterday. No, they're not good either. They're not good either. And if I wasn't, if Ballyporeen, if it was a Cork village and Cork had won, I'd be coming down on that as well. Other person says, well done to Ali, doing great voluntary work for our homeless. Yeah. Well, if that's normal, according to the other message, if that's normal, then it's not normal and it needs to end. What about the RTE event? It was a disgrace. If people who attended the Golfgate event had to resign, why didn't the RTE people? Do you know what? That was a disgrace, what happened there. The sun broke that story Thursday. No one seemed to care about it when the sun broke it. But Friday, the Independent took it up and it went bananas. And they were all there. I watched David McCullough on Friday and I listened to Miriam the other morning and there's a few more of them. And they're all kind of talking about it on the talk shows over the weekend. They, they absolutely have egg on their chin that they just can't get off it. It's, it's a massive mistake. It's a massive stupid to organise something like that. We had Deirdre leave us here after six and a half years back in September. We'd love to have had an event for Deirdre as she left the opinion line to move on to her new job at the examiner. We'd love to have had an event for her. But we didn't. We couldn't. Couldn't do it. 1850-7159. So what, what happened in RTE was an absolute disgrace. This is Court's 
Gold, Imro award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now, 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Bill says it takes time for a crowd of that size to gather. You have to nip these things in the bud through patrolling. Turning up to a crowd of a thousand and expecting it to be able to police it isn't a runner. The message from Pat, we're all, we were all young, but I never saw or behaved in a way to cause disturbance to a community. These large gatherings are happening more frequently in the last few years. Not all young people are like this, but large gangs roaring and drinking is just not acceptable. And Pat, you're right. The vast majority of young people, even the ones going into town, are not going in there for any trouble whatsoever. I was talking to a number of young people of my acquaintance, shall we just say, in, in the last week and trying to figure out what is going through their heads with regard to this and why are they so drawn into town and they say it's absolute frustration absolute frustration with what's going on to which I say we've all been frustrated we've all lost out we've all had a rough year that's that, that's the thing now I have another giveaway for you this week uh, on the opinion line this week we have teamed up with Sanitize Ireland you like this one we're giving away complete sanitizing kits including touchless hand sanitizers, portable mist sprayers, an electrostatic fogger, and lots more besides. You can protect your business, you can protect yourself, or protect your own home from COVID with sanitizeireland.ie. Yeah, look, they're appropriate for the times in which we live. And today, I've got a nice one, a really nice one. I've got a health and wellness Christmas bundle to give away from Sanitize Ireland today. So how do you do this? Well, over the next couple of hours, and we'll draw a winner around about 10 to 12, I want you to take a news story. I'll give you one, don't worry. I want you to take a news story and write me a headline. I want you to be at your creative best. Take the mickey. Rip the, you know what. Have fun with a serious news story. And see where that gets you. Text or WhatsApp your answers in to 083-396-9696. 083-396-9696. Give you a couple of opportunities to do this. But it's to do with the vaccines today. We're reading in The Guardian this morning that the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine has 70% efficiency and could be up to 90 and might be available in the next couple of months. In The Independent, they're reporting the first COVID vaccines could be given in the US by December 11th. So what I want you to do this morning is give me a headline. Vaccines are almost here. They are almost here. We'll hopefully have vaccines all of us available are available to all of us by this time next year. We all have had the jab by this time next year, those of us that want it. We should hopefully have it in the next six to eight weeks for those of it that absolutely need it. So the vaccines are almost here. Give me a headline. Give me a headline that will stop me in my tracks. You are the editor. You are the subby for now. So the vaccines are almost here, almost good to go. Give me a vaccine headline for our competition with Sanitize Ireland. You have the morning to do it. Not rushing you now. You have the morning to do it. 1850-715-996. John and Cove says, The people want, as you'd expect, to lead a normal life. We've been kept indoors since March. It was never meant to last this long. Dr. Holohan is heading the project, but let us remember he was the man in charge of the cervical check response. While we're locked up, it's an easy option for him and the government. See a bit of discussion on Twitter 
about the families that were in posting the Christmas letters and wandering up and down looking at the shop windows. Mags is saying that they seem to be on top of each other. Or sorry, Michelle saying they seem to be on top of each other posting the, the Santa letters and taking selfies and pictures while they were posting the Santa letters. If they're members of the one family, they can take all the pictures that they want. If it's a mom and dad and two kids posting letters to Santa, they can take all the pictures that they want. But I do get your point. And if they were outside their five kilometres, they shouldn't have been in there. That's an absolute fact. There's a lot more to this than just takeaway drink, although takeaway drink isn't helping. 1850-715-996. We'll come back to it anyway. I want to talk to Stephen Teep about two things in particular. I want to talk to him about uh, bereaved children uh, and and uh, bereaved children awareness, which is this week. But first of all, there's been a major, major development in the cervical check that the 221 plus support group has written to the Minister for Health saying they are withdrawing from any further consultation over the Cervical Check Tribunal, describing it as a pointless waste of time. In other words, the very people who were meant to get answers from this tribunal have walked away because of the way it's being organised. Stephen, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Delighted. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? The very people that this tribunal is set up to benefit are walking away. Why? Well, I suppose just to go back to the beginning, ever since um, the new Minister of Health, Minister Donnelly, took office back in June, we we wrote out to him for a meeting um, with him. There was a number of items on the agenda that we need to discuss, but one of the main ones was the tribunal that had not yet been established, and this was something that has been dragging on now for almost two years and has been delayed time and time again. So we were quite anxious that something needs to be done with this and to get us up set up um, in a timely matter. But there were still a number of issues with this tribunal that essentially didn't make it fit for purpose. Um, it doesn't really offer an alternative to the High Court. It's essentially um, just replicating what you will already do within the High Court. So eventually after two months, we had a, min- a meeting with the Minister in early September and we raised um, a number of issues that we had um, in relation to the tribunal. Um, they were, just just to give you an example, um, in relation to the statues of limitations, um, there was another piece around the reoccurrence of cancer, what happens to a woman who um, unfortunately gets the news that her cancer has returned. Is there an option for them to return to the tribunal, which, which, which there, there isn't? And what we highlighted in that meeting in early September was that the tribunal in its current format is not fit for purpose. Yeah. So for over, I suppose, the number of weeks, for, for, for over two months, we've, been, we've had many, many meetings with the minister and his department and a number of letters to and fro uh, raising these issues uh, with the minister. And I think it's very important, PJ, just to highlight as well at this point, all of these issues that we had are legal issues. So this isn't um, just myself, Vicky Lorraine, the rest of our team, just um, saying this is not fit for purpose on what our opinion is. We've been getting legal advice from a number of legal firms in relation to this, legal firms that would have an insight um, in the in the whole cervical check debacle, but also would represent, represent many, many of the women and families that um, are impacted by this. And these 
at the end of the day will be the, the legal firms that will be offering advice on the women's best interest, mm. whether the tribunal is fit for them or not. And we highlighted this to them to say that, look, in its current format, it's not fit for purpose. Um, the legal advisors who need to offer advice in the best interest of their clients can't do so. Um, would recommend that they would stick to the high court and go to the tribunal. So what we were trying to do in this whole process was to work with the minister and his department in highlighting the issues, but also, PJ, presenting the solutions that we were advised in addressing these issues to, one, make the tribunal less adversarial than um, it currently is. And what I mean by that in the current format, when we say adversarial, it means because you have to prove negligence the people that you're up against, um, in this case, the, the state and the labs, have every right to defend themselves. So it becomes a very argumentative process. Yeah. But because of what happened in Ruth Morrissey's um, Supreme Court ruling back in April, um, it essentially, it, it changed the, the landscape, um, changed fundamentally um, because of this ruling. And it basically made the state the, the, the primary plaintiffs in this because, um, and the labs third party. So there was an opportunity to yeah. make it less adversarial also. Yeah. But the biggest issues still remain um, the reoccurrence of cancer. It's an absolutely huge piece. And we went out yes. to our members in relation to that. And it will be the biggest concern of many of the women. Like, God forbid, you don't want um, any of the women in this to be um, impacted by the reoccurrence of cancer. But the horrible thing about cervical cancer is once reoccurrence presents itself, there is no cure. Um, And as you know from the many times we've spoken about um, my late wife Irene, for example, she would have had a reoccurrence. And of course, it resulted in in her passing away. We we know famously from Vicky Phelan, um, you know, she's been battling her reoccurrence diagnosis, which is a terminal diagnosis also yeah. um, since January 18. And even just in the last week, we see the high court, um, Lindsay, a 32-year-old single woman of two children, yes. who now has a reoccurrence also. And like this is um, a particular issue for yeah. the women. This is, um, a nu- this is a nub of it, I think, Stephen, isn't it? That this recurrence clause, that they're, they're, they're trying to avoid having anything to do with recurrences. Sure, it's recurrences, it's what's killing people. It's the recurrence that kills people, exactly. It's like once it comes back, there is no cure for this. And it's obviously fear. And why is this important for this piece to be established within the tribunal? There's tribunals, we've seen tribunals before, PJ, and like I said, one of the famous ones would have been um, the Hep C tribunal. And within that tribunal, it actually provided for the people in that if they had any sort of reoccurrence, that they were able to return to the tribunal um, to 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 be awarded more costs for care and all of that. So we're not trying to recreate the wheel here. It's something that's already been done in the past. Yes. And this is something that we've highlighted. Like It is possible to do that. But there's another issue as well, and, and not to get too technical into it, but there's a, another piece of, um, I suppose, very important information that came out of the Supreme Court ruling, and that was in relation to the Civil Liability Act which um, there essentially is, is a hole in the law that needs to be um, repaired. And the Chief Justice in the Supreme Court um, made reference to that. And it's, uh, he said it's not up to the, the Supreme Court to fix this. It's up to the legislators to do that. And this, of course, is something that we've been highlighting also. And basically what this means is if reoccurrence does happen, 
and a woman is um, unfortunately deemed terminal, that she has the opportunity to return to the High Court one, but also return to look for costs for care for if for her children and family for when that um, moment comes when she passes away. And the, the hole in the law also prevents um, any of the women doing that, which is um, it's a big issue. It's something that's come up in many cases with, with Morrissey and Mahuna yeah. was up against this as well. Yes. Um, and the most recent as well was then Patricia Carrick, who we saw a couple yes. of months back. Yes. So we've been highlighting all of these issues and... Um, We've done many rounds with them now, PJ, and it's really come to a point where we just seem to be going around in circles. And the most recent letter that we received at the end of last week, just to quote a line from it, it's not possible to meet your requests in respect of the statute of limitations or the issue of reoccurrence. The advice from the Attorney General is unambiguous in respect of both of these issues. So, but the advice that we're getting is different. And we just seem to be up against the state that, um, of those politicians within the state are just turning to the, the Attorney General, whose job is to put the state first. Yeah. And we're here shouting up from the ground, as usual, PJ, trying to put the women, particularly in this first, and yeah. to give sight on, I suppose, their biggest concerns. Well, and, well you've explained you know, it, Stephen, so well, as you always do, because people who would have been looking at this and going, what's this about? Yeah. To, to lay it out starkly, it's the recurrence of the cancer that kills people. And there's no way to take this into account at the tribunal. That's just no. that's just demented. That's just barmy. Barmy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely is. Barmy. And you know, you know, the the whole purpose of the tribunal was to set up an uh, an alternative from the, the the court system itself and the government. You know, as as just to read out another quote. And I'm sorry to bore you with quotes now, PJ. You're but, okay. You know, this is what they would have said in the past. This is about finding the best route for the women and families. The tribunal currently is the same route for the women and families, which is an adversarial route where it drags women up to Dublin and they have to fight, but it also doesn't address their biggest fears. And that is the the reoccurrence piece one, but also the statute of limitations, which does fix a couple of families in this. And if I just really just touch on that very, very quickly, what that essentially is, is um, any person that has um, been made aware of any harm done to their lives have two years to bring a case to court. So for many of the people, particularly in the original 2-2-1 cohort of women and families, that would have been when Dickie um, stood up outside the court at the end of April 2018. And there have been a number of, um, a couple of weeks um, after that, we would have all got called from the HSC. And that's when the clock, two-year clock started ticking. But for some of the women and families in this, they've been holding off um, going to the High Court or lodging a case because they've been listening to the advice from um, the government, you know, this tribunal will be set up, this tribunal will be the best route for women and families and so on. And this is supposed to, and the reason why we are fighting this because they're now statute barred as of May this year. So because the tribunal was delayed, 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 they've been holding off on, um, I suppose, just on the advice they've been getting in good faith from the from. Yeah. The government, and you know, right now um, they're saying that nothing can be done with that, also. Uh, but we know something can be done with that. Um, okay. There's an element of a contradiction from them in with regards to that because they've slightly amended the statute of limitations already in the Cervical yeah. Check Tribunal Act. So to say they can't is a contradiction because yeah. they already have It's, it's not so much can't as we, we, we don't plan on doing it, and which is why yeah. the, the, the breakdown has come in communication. Stephen? Exactly, it's what we say won't, then can't, you yeah. know. 
I, I want to talk to you about uh, Bereaved Children's Awareness Week because yes. it starts today and Oscar and Noah, what is it, they're seven and five now? Seven and five, yeah. Oscar turns um, eight now in the middle of December, so yes. Yeah, Coming up to their third Christmas without mom. You, exactly. you, you know, and you, your third Christmas without your beloved wife. Yes. You said at the weekend, I think, Stephen, that children and adults grieve differently and we should remember that. Explore that point for me in about five minutes that we have. Absolutely. You know, this week is a very, very important week for me. It's very personal to me, obviously, because of Oscar and Noah. Um, Bereaved Children Awareness Week. And it's basically just to highlight that children, two things really, PJ, one, children also grieve as well, like us adults do, but children grieve differently to us. Um, for us as adults, we have much more of an understanding of what's going on, but for children, because if you take it when Oscar and Noah lost their mother, they were only four and two at the time. So their vocabulary, their knowledge, their ability to communicate is much more limited to us adults, of course. So we have to approach it in a different way than you would with um, adults. And their pain and suffering is identical to ours. It's just their ability to understand exactly what's going on. Um, and like this is something that I've noticed over the years with the two boys, because no children's grief is the same. Also, um, Oscar was able to start the communication and talk to me about it from a very early day. But no, of course, um, he was barely able to talk at three years of age. He was still in nappies. And it's only really in the last six to 12 months that we've really started the process with Noah um, with regards to his grief, because now he's starting to ask more questions. He's understanding the answers more. He's getting upset by the answers more also because he obviously he has that better understanding. Yeah. And the key part of dealing with children's grief, and this is something that, you know, obviously I've had to learn um, the hard way, but the only way, and that is um, taking the time to listen to the children um, when they are upset, acknowledging that, you know, it is fine to be sad. Um, do you know, PG, as a parent, you know, I think it's built into our DNA if our child is upset is to try and remove that pain and suffering quickly from them, yes. you know, come out with lines, that's sure you'll be grand. Don't worry about that, you'll be fine, yes. you know. But when it comes to a child who's lost their mother, you don't have those opportunities. That's a lie. Because you... It's a lie, it's not a truth, you know. And like, for example, Oscar went to me two, two weeks ago, um, we were talking about his birthday, and he got all upset, and I was asking, like, what's wrong with you, Oscar? And he's like, do you know now when I turn eight, I will be, um, I've been alive without my mom more than I was alive with my mom. And, you know, it was a very kind of factual statement from it. But as a parent, when you hear these things from your children, it just rips the heart out of your chest, you know. It's difficult. You, you, it's to not do a it. thought process you expect from an eight-year-old, no, is it? It's, it's not. And it's just, you know, it absolutely floors you. But the thing is, you can't say things like, Asher, look, don't worry about it, or it'll be grand. You what know, do you, you do, to, Stephen? You have to listen. Yeah, you know, Oscar, that's true. It is very true that, that that is the case. And it's very sad, isn't it? And you have to acknowledge the sadness, acknowledge the point he's trying to make. He is right. Tell him he's right. But allow him to cry. And this is something that I'm always trying to say to Oscar and Noah, that it's okay to cry. It's extremely important that you do cry because you have to let out these tears in the same way you have to let out these words and the importance of listening to them and I think it's the most important thing about this week PJ is just to raise awareness around um, that children grieve too but also to support the parents and guardians and whoever is in that position of managing a child's grief that one 
they're not alone. We're all going through this. But you know, this this taking this opportunity just to take the time to listen to the children and help them. I suppose take those baby steps from their little legs to walk through this process because it is very difficult for them as it is for us adults and you know it's extremely important that we do this and take the time to acknowledge their feelings and tell them that it is okay to cry it is okay to be sad you know it is what we I suppose it is the natural process to miss the person that we've lost all right, Stephen. As always, a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's Stephen Teep, and my best to the two boys, two lovely lads, Oscar and Noah. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Corks ninety six FM. All right, give me something for our Sanitize Ireland giveaway today. Giving you the wellness pack for Christmas. I want you to write me a headline based on the news that the vaccines are almost here. All the various news stories this morning, vaccines almost here, first jabs available maybe in America next month here in Ireland early in 2021. Vaccines almost here, so I want your headlines to 083 396 96 96 text or WhatsApp. Also you'll be using that this hour to Corks 96 FM's 10k toy giveaway with Johnson and Parrot, Douglas Bishopstown and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie I give you everything Yeah, second and final week of this giveaway with Johnson and Parrot. We'll do it around half ten, maybe 25 to 11 that way. Around half ten, you'll hear your cue to call, then you text a WhatsApp in. We'll call somebody back, answer a simple question, and you're through to the draw, which happens with Lorraine on the big drive home after six this evening. We give away two 500 euro toy shopping sprees every day. We had two winners from the opinion line last week. Let's see if we can do it again this week. It's the Corks 96 M 10K toy giveaway. With Johnston Perrett, Douglas, Bishopstown and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you. Drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. That's coming your way sometime after, yeah, 10, 10, 30, 10, 35, that way. Keep your logos open for it and you won't miss it, as they say. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. I will come back to the scenes in the city over the weekend. Interesting debate going on as to whether we should even be talking about it on the one hand. Just amplifying it is what we're being accused of. Or else it is important that we talk about it because these are things happening in our city at the weekend that we'd rather not see. So I shall return to that at some point very, very soon. But first, we got this email. Um, We've checked it out. The bona fides are good. It's just the person, for obvious reasons, doesn't want to give us their name on air, which you'll see why when I read it. I don't know if this is anything you've spoken about before, but I just wanted to bring to your attention what retail staff are putting up with at the moment. As you know, under Level 5 restrictions, we're only allowed essential shopping. And so a lot of stores have done their very best to stay open for customers and to keep staff in their jobs. And to do this, they've had to cordon off certain items or certain departments and make non-essential items available for click and collect only. In addition, customers are required to wear face masks, use hand sanitizer, and stores are limiting the number of people that can be in them for everyone's safety. 
In the last few weeks, I've seen behaviour from some people that I could never have predicted. I've worked in retail management for over two decades now, and I've never wanted to change career until recently. On a daily basis now, staff are reduced to tears and being screamed at because some people don't want to wear masks, don't want to use sanitizer, don't want to queue, and they just want to be able to browse and buy as normal. My company prides itself on its customer service, and I know my staff are some of the most polite and helpful you could find in any store in Cork. But it's a real challenge for us when we're being abused on a daily basis. I've personally been called a fat bitch, a effing cow, and a effing... Another word I would never even refer to on the air here. And that's an everyday occurrence now, which as an adult I can handle, although I don't appreciate it. A lot of retail staff are students working a few hours a week while also trying to navigate the minefield of online learning and college work with no face-to-face lectures or support. The toll this is taking on their mental health is heartbreaking to me as a manager. I definitely don't want to tar all customers with the same brush because I'm still finding the majority of people super friendly and compliant and appreciative that retail staff are doing what they can under difficult conditions. Most people are great, but we've seen a huge increase in the number of people who are angry and aggressive, and it's truly taking a toll. I'd love to be able to come on and talk about this, but unfortunately my entire day now is spent on the shop floor with staff trying to run interference where I can and make sure they're coping. I just think it's worth reminding people that just because stores are open during this lockdown does not mean it's business as usual, and would help to bear this in mind and take into consideration that we're truly doing our best. As you might see from this email being sent at 5.30am, sleep is hard to come by and stress levels are high. And that's rather a long read. Thank you for bearing with it. But it tells a story. If I thought, and my daughter works a few hours in a very well-known supermarket, if I thought that someone spoke to her like that on a shop floor... I would go through them for a shortcut. But by all accounts, it is happening every day. Just like people, staff being screamed at, reduced to tears because people don't want to wear masks, don't want to use sanitizers, don't want to queue, and just want to be able to browse and buy as normal. People being called a bitch, a cow, and the other C word as well. Lorraine O'Brien from the Mandate Trade Union. Lorraine, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. That's a that's a very upsetting email to get. It's absolutely shocking, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I suppose, thankfully, I'd have to say it's not um, it's not in the main representative of the, the vast majority of the uh, the public who Could are. Could you get um, maybe a bit a tiny bit closer to your phone, Lorraine, for me, if you would? Sorry, sorry, PJ, can you hear me now? That's far better. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I just said, look, first of all, I think that email is absolutely shocking. Uh, uh, thankfully, that's not uh, representative of the, the, the large number of uh, the, the shopping public at the moment. But even one incident of, incident of that nature is just not, it's not acceptable. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it's happening. Uh, and even more so, I think, particularly since the level five restrictions came in, um, you know, more and more as we've gone through the week. Uh, people appear to be getting more sort of angry and aggressive when they're, when they're coming into shops to use services. Yeah. The situation with regard to, to masks and sanitizers. now, it's not law 
but it is mandatory. What's the flipping difference, Lorraine? Like, I understand from talking to people in retail, you cannot refuse to serve someone who won't wear a mask. Yeah, when the guidelines came in, first of all, I suppose, the guidelines came in in August and it made it mandatory for everybody to wear um, a face covering when you were in, uh, shopping or an inside setting in cinemas, etc., etc. So uh, I suppose, you know, at the beginning it was, it was a big change for people and there was a little bit of resistance. But I think then after that things settled down and, um, you know, people just had to take that bit of time to get used But we've noticed again in the last few weeks during the 11-5 uh, uh, That line is deteriorating. I'm going to try and get a better line. Lorraine, I'm going to put you back on to Terry, see if we can get a better line, and I'll clear a commercial break here, because I know you're, you've got some good points to make, and it's a pretty awful line. Terry, will you grab that and see can we get it slightly better? And I'll come, come back to you after the break. I'm talking to Lorraine O'Neill, O'Brien, rather, from Mandate about the abuse of retail workers during lockdown. This is Cork's Gold Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, got Lorraine back on a better line. Uh, thanks for holding on there for me, Lorraine. Y- you were making the point that, that look, this is, is not the majority of people, but one case is one too many where someone is screamed at or abused on, on their shop floor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and the guidelines came in in August. And in the main, I think it took a little bit of, all of us uh, and the public, a little bit of time to get used to it. But things settled down. Um, uh, however, we've noticed in the last number of weeks, particularly during the course of the Level 5 restrictions, that there has been an increased level of anger and, and frustration among the public coming into shops. Um, I think it's because they can see some of the stock that they'd like to buy, but it's, it's cordoned off because mm. it's not deemed, you know, they're not deemed essential. Um, and that's, you know, that's leading to some level of frustration. But, you know, the the that shouldn't be you know, aimed at the, the, the shop workers and the retail staff who are, you know, coming into work every day. Um, they're working uh, in a public arena. Um, they're at the front line and they're providing an essential service. Uh, and they absolutely don't deserve to be treated like that. I mean, you know, they are, there are public health guidelines around the wearing of, wearing of face coverings. However, you know, retail staff, um, it's not their job to enforce the rules. Um, shops do have the right to refuse service to anyone who... Well, they do have that right, do they? They, they do have the right to refuse, but, I mean, it's not a law. Uh, it's it's a guideline under the public health uh, guideline. So, and I think but I, there's a thing. You see, that's I think that's what's confusing people. And this isn't this isn't your fault, but it just it's a it's a a point of discussion. The the word mandatory indicates to many people, well, it is the law, mm. but it's not the law, which mm. is what half of these idiots are on about. Oh, there's no law. You can't force me. They're right. They are. Uh, uh, but but I suppose, look, you know, at the same time, they are mandatory. There are public health guidelines. They're there for all of our safety. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're all going through the, the coronavirus uh, together. We're living in very difficult times. We have to, you know, uh, uh, work together to get through it. Um, you know, there's no point in, 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 in fighting with each other, right? Um, we have to do what we have to do. And it's not fair and it's not right that people working in, in a retail setting should be subject to the type of abuse that you read out in that email this morning. No, it's very upsetting. Mm. Very upsetting. And, and you know, you, we all have, we all know someone 
my, my daughter works a few hours in the shop. We all know someone who works in, in that sector somewhere or another. And if I thought that someone walked up to a friend or to my daughter or anybody else and, and spoke to them like that, I'd go through them for a shortcut. Yeah, it's abs- and, and listen, it's it's absolutely terrible. And you know, really, that person who's who's working in the shop uh, that you're that you're that you're you're going into and you're abusing, they're just an easy target. Um, so, and, and that's not fair. So, there are other ways of you know airing or voicing your frustration or your views on those type of guidelines. And that's it's it certainly it's not. Uh, that manner of doing it and the person that you're aiming at, that, that's not the right person, that's not the right way the way to do it. Yeah. Sheila says customers are kind of confused as well because some shops are selling some things. You go to one hardware store and you can get paint and another you can't. But in that store you get plants but not another one. It's, it's not right but a bit of common sense and coordination would help a lot. Also, the click and collect is bringing people into shops and doesn't always go smoothly. But what I'd be saying to Sheila is there, the person going around in their shop uniform doing their daily work didn't make the rules. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's so, so as I said, that, you know, there's another way of, of airing that frustration. But whether you, you know, I suppose there's managers and supervisors and it's a discussion that needs to be had or an email or uh, a call that needs to be made. But certainly, you know, as I said, the person directly in front of you who's the ordinary worker trying to go about their, their daily work, um, you know, and in some cases, you know, not knowing sort of when they go to work every day, whether they're going to come into contact with somebody who might have COVID where they're going to take that home. So just think about that, right, when, yeah. you, when you meet that person inside in the shop. They're the same as yourself. Uh, and, you know, treat them with some, some courtesy, treat them some, with some respect. Because sometimes I think retail workers are so much taken for granted. Um, people don't stop and think, um, um, you know, of the effect of what they're saying or how they're treating people. So um, it's not right and it shouldn't be happening. I remember at the very start of all of this, Lorraine, when we talked about frontline workers and and who would be classed as a frontline worker and the point was very clearly made to me by a caller someone working in a supermarket on a till loading shelves they are a frontline worker too they absolutely are and I suppose we've been saying that for a long time but I think that has I suppose COVID has crystallised that um and yes, they are, because they have to, as I said, leave home every day. They, they are, you know, inter- interacting with the public. Um, uh, they're on that till and, you know, they don't know, right? And they're depending on you when you come into the shop to sanitise your hands before you come in, to wear your face covering, to, soak, you know, keep your distance, stand back from the till, um, you know, and just do all the things that you should be doing. And if everybody did that, it would go a long way to helping us to get through it. All right. Listen, Lorraine, thank you very much. Lorraine O'Brien from Mandate the shop workers trade union retail trade union thanks to everybody involved in retail and you know you're taking a bit of abuse on on the ground according to this email but for me and everybody connected to this program and this radio station and our listeners thank you for what you do for us every day thank you so much 1850-715-996 we're going back to Saturday night because still lots of stuff coming in Mary were you out there Saturday night or what's the story? Yeah, I'm just making a point there that um, I actually drove in town on a Saturday night with two of my teenagers to see the lights, basically, and it's a very good, safe way to actually do that. It's lovely to drive down Oliver Plunkett Street, and we drove down, then drove, turned around, drove down Patrick Street, both directions, and, you know, it was safe. We weren't impacting anybody. Um, it was within our 5K, but we didn't get out of the car. Yeah. But town is buzzing, 
Um, my daughter's in college. She saw many of her college friends there. And what most of them have in common, they're all getting COVID payment. Right. So basically, like, we're funding this lifestyle. Like, they don't have the lifestyle they deserve in college. They are undoubtedly missing that. But we are funding this alternative lifestyle. Yeah. There is no student, um, full-time student, realistically, or very few, would be in a position to earn the equivalent of unemployment benefit Mm -hmm. while being a full-time student. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... You know, we're funding it. Like, we can't blame... Like, they don't even have the discipline of going out to work. Yeah. You know, that they would be... Uh, how many... A, a lot of them would normally be working maybe on a Saturday night or a Saturday day or early Sunday morning or something like that and wouldn't be able to yeah. go out and be in the streets on Saturday night. I no doubt that alcohol consumption... And drug use or whatever, people can afford things now that they couldn't afford before and they've too much time on their hands and they're bored. Yeah. Whatever about social media and all the various platforms, the one platform I can never get my head around and never have been able to get my head around is Snapchat. But I think your daughter was saying to you, an awful lot of this is being organised through Snapchat. Well, like they, they know where everybody is, so they see that their friends are in a certain location or whatever, you know what I mean? They can see them on Snap Maps and all this kind of thing, so they say, oh, they're all inside by whatever, Electric the Fountain, Grand Parade or whatever, you know, and they, it encourages more people in there. Yeah, yeah. Were, were, you know, they were know you nervous in the car? Did you, did you see My it? daughters were yeah. very, I wasn't actually, surprisingly, I kind of, I, I was, it was about half past nine actually when all those incidents were kicking off. And I've been more nervous in, in fairness on a Thursday night driving down Washington Street. Mm. <laughs> you know, but... My daughters were, they asked me to put on the central locking. They were very nervous right. when they saw the crowds. Um, the did they know people in the crowds? They did, yeah. yeah. My daughter's in college and she saw several people she knew from college. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and, you know, on one level it's hard to blame them, but, you know, I suppose the ones that aren't doing it are are seeing my kind of thing, I suppose, that the others are out and about and seeing friends. Yeah. And, you know, it, it makes them feel that they're missing out even more than they are already. It's yeah. not a case of everybody being in the same boat. There's some people behaving differently to others and it's impacting everybody, but I do believe the fact that we're funding it is a, is a factor. It's yeah. not the only factor. There'll always be people out, but it is certainly driving a certain type of behaviour. Okay. Mary, thank you for your call. Uh, always always uh, an interesting point of view has Mary Words. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. Tell me, says Tom, thank goodness no one close to me was affected, but the failure of the political system is breathtaking. Oh, that's on cervical check. Sorry, Tom. Uh, Aaron, we always lived among clowns. This is about Saturday night, but the naming and shaming is so wrong. It's only a minority breaking rules, but it gets so much airtime. It takes the heat off RTE. That's Aaron's view. Then, I did not aim on this. 96 ma'am, you're right to highlight this kind of behaviour in the city centre. A percentage of younger people seem not to comprehend the gravity of the virus and its consequence. I visit a petrol station on certain nights after the CUH. Last Saturday night, two young adults in front of me tried to exit the contraflow despite directional signs. Young people in a close cluster behind me practically stuck onto my back coming out of the premises. I noticed the number of people in a queue within the shop was quite a few, despite a traffic light system. Also, one lady in uniform that should have been enforcing the rules. Jim says, it's so simple to stop what went on on Saturday night. Stop pubs doing takeaway pints. A bird brain would know that. It's one element of it, Jim. But I do take your point. Now, something else with this traffic light system going into shops... I witnessed something myself, and t- to be fair to the shop involved, I'll just say it's one I would be a re- regular visitor to, and a shop I like very much. But I was going into one of my regular haunts there last week, and I walked in, face mask on, sanitized my hands, went about my business. But as I came to leave, the place had gotten busy, because there was a school nearby. It was lunchtime. The place had gotten busy, and the red light had come on and the voice that says, please wait until you're asked to come in. And the light goes green then. You can come in at infrared counter and all that. And as it was red and as the voice said, please wait, these three young lads in a certain school uniform walked brazenly in past the sign and proceeded to start their shopping. And there was a guy standing at the door, kind of a supervisor, going in. And he had been asking a number of adults to wait their turn and then these lads charged in the door past the red light and up around the shop and as I was going out it reduced the numbers by one but I said to him would you not stop them lads he said do you want to take the abuse do you want to take the abuse if you tried to stop them he said it happens every day at lunchtime there's nothing we can do about it I phoned the school and they said it was none of their business okay we gave you the cue to call, and as always, you were ready, willing, and able. You were flying in your texts and WhatsApps within seconds, and the computer has selected line one, Laura Buckley. Laura, good morning. Hi, TJ. How are you? Good, good, good. You have a five-year-old for whom this Hi. would make his year. Oh, you have no idea. He's a right little character. He loved this man so old. What's his name? His name is Ben. Ben, all right. Well, you're in Middleton and you would like to win his 500. So all I can do for you is I can help you to go through to the draw this evening 
with Lorraine. Yeah, that would be super. Now, two of my qualifiers won last week. So we've got a good track record on the show. So here we go. Here's your question. In the children's TV show Snoopy, is Snoopy a cat or a dog? He's a dog. He's a dog. He's a dog. Easy out. That was easy. Of course he is. All right, Laura, you are through to the draw this evening. Oh, brilliant. Listening after six on the big drive home with Lorraine when she makes that draw and you never know, we could be sending a 500 euro toy voucher off to you. All right, Laura, congratulations. Laura Buckley from Saline Middleton in the county of Cork. Lovely East Cork. Thanks, Laura. 1850-715-996. Oh, by the way, uh, just a quick reminder to you that Smith's Toys Superstores are still open for click and collect and for home delivery during the lockdown. All right? Yeah, just to remind you of that. 1850-715-996. Now, interesting article over the weekend with regard, I'm following on, I think, from some of the activities in town and uh, his particular take on the handling of, of the Level 5 lockdown in general. And I just read with, with a certain rawness um, yesterday when I picked it up and read it, and that was Michael Clifford, who said that in terms of this lockdown, the public has been sold a pup. It's not really working because it's not really a lockdown. It's a kind of an ash or it'll be grand. Mick, good morning to you. Morning, Peter. The first lockdown in springtime worked and worked very well. The streets were practically deserted and the numbers tumbled and we got out of it slowly but surely. This isn't working. Why do you think it's not working? Well, PJ, as you said, in, in the first lockdown, it did work well. No, I mean, we have to put everything in context. That was a shock to all our systems, this whole na- notion of a pandemic, the, 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 the silent killer, as it was described and as it is. And we were in a lot of fear um, it was also novel, not in, in the good sense of that word, but and it was also a case that we believed, I certainly did, and I think a lot of people did, we get through this and by the summer we're hopefully out the other side. So a combination of those things together meant that a huge number of people bought into the lockdown. And particularly because the, the hospitalisation rates and the, and the rates of people dying were much higher and we realised that this was vital particularly for the most vulnerable people in, in society. Mm. This time around, I mean, we're in a very different place. There is virus fatigue. We are all cheesed off yeah. with what we've had to put up with for the last nine months. And in that scenario, once it was decided that we had to go to this level five restrictions, the government should have known, and they gave the impression they knew, that more would be required in order that everybody would observe it. And one thing they did was suggest that some new laws had to be brought in. And this was an example of how they were going to try and ensure that this lockdown was some way successful, that we'd be out of it and we'd be able to enjoy Christmas. Mm. Now, the problem there was they they brought in those laws in effectively an emergency fashion, questioned by people interested in civil liberties, by the way, but that's a separate issue. But it was brought to Cabinet on a Tuesday, it was signed into law by the president the following Saturday, and we were told that the, the, the signing off of it to, to give it effect would be done by the Minister for Health within days. Yeah. Now, th- those laws concerned fines or possible imprisonment for gatherings or house parties, whatever you want to call them, for organising And crucially, also, if you strayed beyond the five kilometres, you could be liable for non-despot fines, similar to penalty points, fixed charge notice. Yeah. 
that kind of thing. Now, that, I think, would have been a deterrent. And look, none of us are, are 100%, certainly I'm not, in terms of observing absolutely everything we can. But if there's a deterrent in place, we're far more likely to do it. It's an yeah. incentive. And at this stage of our fatigue, it's one that the government seemed to say was needed. Yes, what do they do? We're nearly out of the lockdown. Those laws haven't been signed into effect at all. That's crazy. So, you know, it is to the extent that they're saying we need laws to keep us on side. And I, it's difficult to argue with that. Like, But then at the same time, they bring in the laws and the law is sitting there and it's not given effect. The other element to that is it undermines, to my mind, the authority of the Gardaí. Because if, if you think heading off somewhere... Um, and, you know, people have valid reasons for going to some places and that that's beyond the five kilometres. But if you think that the only chance you're taking is that a guard will stop you and ultimately tell you to turn around, well, you know, depending on who you are and how, how fed up you are with the whole thing, you may well take that chance. If you believe the chance is that you could get issued with a, a fixed charge notice and on the spot fine, mm. I think you'd think twice about it. And if you look at our roads and the cities and towns around the country... There, I, 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 it's certain, let me put it this way to you. The, the, the drop in traffic is absolutely nothing like it was nothing. last March. Nothing that ever was. Nothing that ever was. The roads are, I would have said, as busy or close to as busy as the normal uh, end, end, of, or end of November. But the thing is, Mick, the other element of the traffic uh, checkpoints, and we had calls here on the start of the level five that mm. really all the guards could do was create a traffic jam and try to divert people from going somewhere but then you'd get up to the guard and you'd say where are you going i'm going i'm going over the road there i won't be going over just to see see my mammy well like you there was no effort to make you demonstrate where you were going there was no needed to produce work id i have work id i'm sure you have too yeah. i was never asked to produce it once you know? I, I agree. I, I, I agree to teach Now, I have to say I have some sympathy there because it is horrendously difficult. Like, as you said, and we all saw those traffic jams, if, uh, with everybody who stopped and who was going to go on, if the guard went into a detailed examination, well, you saw how bad the traffic jams were, you might multiply that by two or three. And are, are they going to do that? That's definitely an issue. But, I mean, the thing is, you don't have to be heavy-handed about it. Yeah. If there's a deterrent there, and if people know it's there, and if the really outlandish cases are actually pulled up, and, and, and the law is used in those cases, I believe it would be a sufficient deterrent. No, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not advocating that we should all be in a massive lockdown. What I'm saying is, if these restrictions are brought in, and if it's a case that retailers, small businesses, um, an awful lot of people are minded to observe all the, the restrictions, if all of those people believe we're living under this regime and yet others and I'm not saying this in a negative way but young people are, what they have to put up with is horrendous today in my mind the, 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 the point of their lives when they should be socialising yeah. and, and others if they're minded ultimately or if they're so cheesed off they're not going to observe these restrictions and if there is no deterrent in place well all of that it would strike me is one reason why it mounts up that in the third week of these restrictions level 5 we're no longer experiencing a drop in cases. Yeah. And I think the public health doctors have said that that is, is a worrying situation. And a bigger issue then is, if this has not been a success, are we going to have to go through more of this again, oh. Christmas, maybe after Christmas? Don't, you know? don't even go there. You mentioned in the piece as well, and we were only discussing it again this morning, and we were discussing it last week, the scenes in particularly the 
Cork's city centre last weekend and the reaction of the political classes to it. Yeah, it seems to be a knee-jerk reaction. It's immediately, it's there, and it, it began, first of all, last week when there were scenes in Cork and, and one or two in Dublin, I think, and immediately the Taoiseach and the Minister of Health were out, OK, we're going to have to ban street drinking, we're going to have to um, ban the sale from pubs. And it, it was like, it was like an, to me it struck me as, let's do something, anything, fast, fast, do something, make it look like we're doing something. And it was really knee-jerk, and it was shot down eventually because I think it was impractical. But again, it's a question of, uh, the, the, the government have a very difficult problem at the moment in keeping people on site. There's absolutely no question. I wouldn't envy them. I think they have a more mm. difficult task than government. They seem to have lo- themselves an effort, uh, and every other authority figure at the moment, Mick, seems to have lost the room. They do. And the, 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 the difficulty there is, I would suggest some of it, is a lack of credibility about the level of restrictions if they're not being enforced. If, if it doesn't have credibility, then more and more people who might in the first few weeks be uh, minded to keep to the restrictions, naturally, human nature dictates that they're going to drift from that and they're not going to observe them to the same extent. And that goes far more for people. And again, and I'm saying this in young people, because the nature of being young, the nature of having to get out, if I was that age, I'd be exactly the same myself. But when you don't have a deterrent and you don't have credibility for a level of restriction, it's inevitable that's going to come. And as you say, once the credibility goes down, there's a sense of losing the dressing room then with the public, you know, which... And all it is, I have to say, PJ, though, is it's easy to criticise and, and there are things you can criticise the government and effort for. They're also, it has to be accepted in unprecedented circumstances as well. But they were unprecedented in March... They're not unprecedented now. Yes, as in the circumstances. But remember, the difference is the public are in a completely different place. Yeah. Where the public were in March, all of us, where we all were, I think is, is a very different place, which makes the task of trying to keep the social distancing, the, the restrictions, everything, which makes it that much more difficult. But having said that, as I say, I would have criticisms in relation to bringing in laws as if they're a threat to wave around. And as we know, when you're dealing with anybody, whether it be children or adults or anybody, if you threat, if you threaten them and you don't follow through, your threat's gone out the window. So yeah. bring in those laws and not following through on them, I think is inexplicable. That's the thing, that they passed them at government and then the president signed them. But now at the end of, practically at the end of lockdown, they still haven't been implemented by Stephen Donnelly. Yeah. And you have to ask why. I mean, I called them during the week and they said it was urgent. I mean, you'd hoped it was urgent when we were coming to the end of the period they were brought in for and, and, and that it hadn't been drafted yet. But, like, I, I suspect that there's a feeling in government is they don't want to appear heavy-handed. Now, that's understandable on one level, but on another level, as I say, without a deterrent, where, where are we going to be at? Like, you, you can appeal to people's goodwill and, and the better side of their nature for so long, but... Human nature will, will uh, ultimately, people are getting fed up and there's no question about it. They're fed up with the virus and people are only going to stay on site for so long. Mm. That you, you, you need that small bit of a stick along with the carrot at this stage of the game, I think. All right, Michael, thank you very much. Michael Clifford from The Examiner. But that is an indictment of the system. That law was passed to enforce this restriction. 80 euro fine for breaking your 5k, among other elements.
the law was passed. The president signed the law. And then the minister involved, in this case, Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, has to enact the law. There's a little, effectively a piece of paper to enact the law. That still hasn't been enacted. The blasted thing was written, passed, signed into law by the president and still sitting there without being enacted by the Minister for Health. Why? We're breaking our backsides laughing here at some of the headlines coming in for our sanitizer competition. We've got great <laughs> Some of these are really class with Sanitizer Ireland. We've asked you to write us a creative headline for a news story that we give you and you are having a ball with this one. We gave you the story that we'll have vaccines very, very soon depending on various reports in the news today. We asked you to text or WhatsApp your particular headline to cover that story into 083 396 Some of them are funny. Some of them are downright unbroadcastable. Most of them are absolutely brilliant. Keep them coming though. Keep them coming. So we know now that the Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine, one or the other, or the AstraZeneca vaccine, one or the other, will be available early in the new year. And there's no re- more new research out this morning about the Pfizer one in particular. Uh, that it's, uh, is it the, you know what, one of them in particular. Anyway, really, really good news about one of them in particular out this morning. So, with the good news coming with regards to the vaccines, I want you to write me a headline about that. And get it into 083 396 96 96. There's a stiff competition built up already. A very stiff competition built up already. Some of them are reminding me of that old line from the comedy movie. Do you remember the, or was it, was it Dick Emery or some one of those programs years ago? Or was it Benny Hill or some one of them? It's all right now. It's only a little prick with a needle. And the answer was, yeah, but what you gonna do with it? The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Coming up, another move on a story we've been following very, very closely. Not just for the last few months, but particularly over the last week or so. Um, to do with illegally sharing pictures online and the dreadful fact that it is no not yet a crime. It is not yet a crime to share a picture of someone without their consent online and particularly an uncompromising picture. You know what I'm getting at. We've talked about it a couple of times. It looks now as if the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, is about to move and about to do something quickly, which would be a change for this government. Really would, after we heard what Stephen Donnelly didn't do with the enforcement legislation for the lockdown. That's that's to come in a couple of minutes. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinionline96. Don't forget our hashtag is OL96. And if you want to contact us through Facebook, the Cork 96FM Facebook page. And please, if you can... Mark your messages for the attention of the opinion line. Just makes them easier to find and track. Now, <clears throat> we're continuing our competition for another while. And I tell you, I said to, to Terry this morning, this is his first time as editor of the show, running a, a competition like this. And I said, just let the listeners 
have their say because they will interpret this their own way and give us plenty to so place me trust to me listeners as I said we'll get their contribution on this and you have come up with some humdingers of headlines for this so give me another little while I'm going to call winners around quarter to twelve maybe we have five prizes today that's the good news from the promotions department I tell you something, there must be Christmas coming soon because the promotions department in Cork's 96FM is in very generous mood today. They have given us five health and wellness Christmas bundles from Sanitize Ireland to give away this Monday. What's in each one? Well, there's a, a nanomister, a disinfectant nanomister, two natural solutions to use, compressed wipes, reusable masks, a thermal travel cup, antibacterial pen. It's just a wellness bundle for Christmas. We've five of them to give away. We've things coming up during the week like electrostatic foggers, touchless hand sanitizer dispensers, fogging equipment. Listen, it's for the times in which we live. But I told you about the vaccine headlines, all the good stories. There's Luke O'Neill in the news. Three, Mond- three Mondays in a row, three great pieces of news about the vaccine. Luke O'Neill reckons we'll have this thing licked in a year. And great, great news. But I want you to put a headline on that. So the, you know, the, the stories that are in the news, put a headline on the arrival of the vaccine. And some of them are brilliant. You know, 083 396 96 96 for that text or WhatsApp. I will also return to what happened in the centre of town at the weekend and a few more messages besides. But this is very important and we have been following this uh, in considerable detail over the last couple of weeks. We spoke to Megan, isn't it? Yes, we spoke, to, we spoke to Megan a couple of weeks ago about this subject. About the subject of an intimate photograph being shared without your consent in groups, in discussion forums, on social media or wherever. Megan didn't want to talk about the specifics but it happened to her and it really had a terrible effect on her life. The Victims Alliance, Linda Hayden's group, has been very, very big on this over the last couple of weeks, making statements to the guards. You'll remember then that one particular forum had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different photographs and videos, some of them involving minors, uh, over the last week or so. The Gardaí are involved in that because putting a minor, sharing a picture of a minor, is effectively disseminating child porn. So the guards have jumped on that. The Victims Alliance have been making statements. Linda's been making statements to the guards. And there's been a call, a constant call on the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, to do something about this. Because there is legislation on her desk, I think from the Social Democrats. Legislation on her desk. Holly Cairns was on with me Friday about that. So it is the Social Democrats. That it kind of fell with the last government. It's back there now. Can we get something done about it? It looks as if she is going to do something about it and do something about it quickly. Cleana Sadler is Director of Rape Crisis Network. Cleana, good morning to you. Good morning. There's been rapid progress on this, and, and rightly so. Are we going to have law to make it a crime to do this? Um, yes, there's every appearance that we will. This has been scheduled for the third stage, so the final stage of this of this bill um, was scheduled there back in the start of the, the autumn term as such. The, the date for this landing on in, on the board is the 1st of December and the Minister informed us that she's bringing it to the Cabinet tomorrow. So once that goes public, we'll know what's in the final draft. Um, 
and if and if if it covers everything and if and indeed there'll be an opportunity to you know if there's any amendments that we think you know still need to go in there and anyone who's interested in this you know can, can look closely at that draft and see if it if it actually answers all the questions um just just to clarify one thing there is for the labor party um bill okay yes yeah. i stand corrected brendan howland wasn't it yes it was yes, yes. Um, it was, uh, so it was introduced as a private member's bill back in 2017 um, and then it was shortly after adopted by the government as a government bill and has been working through the door, if you like, through the different stages as you, as you know that, that of scrutiny that, that a bill will go through um, since then. Um, and so the, I mean, I suppose what, one of the things that you're really doing with this bill is because it's not that it was all around this, it's just that it became when, as as the opportunity online technology grew, the law really began to struggle, struggle to keep up in terms of being able to capture um, the, the the abuse that was going on here. So, so this law then is, is defining and. and this, this new, if you like, new areas of criminal offence and indeed sexual offence. Mm. So it's really important that we get that right, um, because it's a very serious thing to to you know create something as a, as a as an offence as a criminal mm. offence. Specifically, what absolutely needs to be in it, Cleana, to make it a good, robust piece of legislation. So, so the the trick here is that it it needs to be future proofed. You know, the they're building um, legislation against a moving background as you know technology changes daily and and so what you want to do is make sure that you've written something that would allow the law to be able to keep up the guards and and you know justice to be able to keep up with the changing the changing opportunities that are presented by technology so what we really need the law to to pin down is that activity like this that is without consent and the key here is that it's without consent and that and th- that is harmful um, and is sexualized in this way that, that you've sort of pinned down those pieces to allow then for for the Gardaí to, to move and investigate and, and to send forward uh, matters for the DPP. How important is it that the, the, the bill is, like you say, future-proofed to the point that, well, any number of platforms, immediately it becomes a crime to share on any number of different platforms. The solution to that is set up another one that's not covered. That needs to be part of it too. Um, yes, and, and and one of the things that we, we haven't, I mean, I think the, the public conversations that have been going on around and around the issues that are covered in this bill are really critical in terms of an understanding of, of precisely the harm that is going on, but also the behaviour that is going on. And, and really to look at the, just I mean, I think people have have articulated very well just the misogyny that is, that exists there in terms of in terms of the the activity. Um, so that's really important. But the other side of this is that you also need to make sure that you have capacity under the law to actually go into these platforms that are multinational companies and um, you know they're not even you know some of them are based in Ireland but you know many of them are based elsewhere um, you need to be able to go in and control that you need to have what is called a takedown mechanism you as, as an individual need, need to have the right to go to these platforms and say take once you become aware you know remove my image immediately um, so the, the second bill that, well, it's not even a bill yet, it's a general scheme still, but still waiting on the bill, so the very first draft of it, it's called the Online Safety and Media Regulation Bill. And what, there's a number of things there, but really what you're talking about there is giving people the right, once, once you have identified this harm and this abuse and this crime, that, that individuals and indeed that there would be a media commissioner who would be engaged in the removal and the protection and, and if you like the response mechanism across these platforms mm. um, to, to right that wrong. 
Do you get the sense from Minister McEntee that she's of a mind to have this signed off ASAP? Absolutely, she has, she has said from the from the from the start this this term that this is a priority piece of, of legislation for her, and she has said that it would be passed. She 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 envisages envisages it being enacted by Christmas, um, and we've no reason to to doubt that. The, the the legislation has been through quite a lot of consultation to date, um, so it's been very carefully considered, even though it's quite complex. Um, so we would expect the the bill that we will see tomorrow or the next day that that it's that it's near complete, if if not complete, and and therefore you know can be enacted quickly. It has the support across across you know government and across the office. So we would expect it to mm. to have a fairly quick passage through this final stage. Okay, which will be good news for everybody involved. Thank you very much. That's Cleanna Sadler, a director of the Rape Crisis Network of Ireland. So that law, they hope to be passed and enacted this side of Christmas, which would be a good day's work by Justice Minister Helen McEntee. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Yes, it was the Brendan Howland bill initially. I thought it was the Social Democrats. You do sometimes get confused. I'm going to say this now and I'm going to regret saying it, but I've even said it. You could get confused sometimes between Labour and the Sock Dems because one was the other one time. Why did you do that, Paige? 1850-715-996. On vaccines, Jerry says, hi, PJ. Vaccine isn't the answer either, as the following questions have to be asked and answered. How long will the vaccine last? How many will you have to get in a year. We already think, Jerry, that best case scenario is probably you'll have to get it every year for initially anyway. Those that have got COVID-19, when does their immunity wear off and how will they know when to get the vaccine? That will come out in the data. So that will all be published, Jerry. Will the vaccine cure or prevent someone that gets COVID from getting sick with COVID? You, that's kind of what a vaccine's for, that you get infected with it, but you don't get sick. What are the side effects of the drugs and those with underlying conditions? Will they be able to get the vaccine? That again will be in the data because there are control groups for all of that. There are so many questions, more questions than answers about new vaccines. And the big one is, are they really safe in the long term? Will the government again indemnify the companies and why should they? I could go on and on. You could. You could, Jerry. You could go on and on. My response to the vaccine, I said this before and I'll say it again, is which arm would you like, doctor? 1850-715-996. And that's irresponsible, then call me irresponsible. But if my doctor says to me, PJ, you can come and get the vaccine, which arm is my response? 1850-715-996. Just on restrictions and five kilometres. Stephen says, yesterday we had the Ulster football final held in Armagh between Donegal and Cavan. And Northern Ireland allows 200 people as spectators. Surely the vast majority of that crowd were from the Republic from those two counties, and breaking the five-kilometre restriction. Nobody's talking about that. Well, we're in Cork, so we're about 300-and-something miles south of it, but that's okay, point taken. Also, don't forget about the Ballyporeen video. Oh, Stephen, are you the guys on me all morning about the Ballyporeen video? I'm not forgetting it. It was dreadful. There was a video went out last night. I got a copy of it sent to me on social media of uh, the returning Tipperary team and supporters through Ballyporeen, Ronald Reagan country last evening after Bacon Cork in the Munster final of which the less said the better but when the Tipperary team went back through Ballyporeen some of the scenes were appalling they made the scenes outside the Rockies a few weeks ago look like a very very small event altogether so yeah 
that video is going around and that was not acceptable. You can't do that. I don't care if you haven't won a Munster title since 1865, let alone 1935. I don't care. You can't do that. And they shouldn't have done it. By the way, getting back to the families in town, I meant to pick up Michelle on this earlier on, and I'm sorry you didn't, Michelle. What Michelle was on about with regard to families taking photographs in town at the weekend... I made the point that it's okay to be taking your own pictures and your own selfies in your own family. That's fine. But what they were doing, what Michelle saw them doing, because she lives in town, what she saw them doing was actually stopping strangers and asking them to take the camera and take the picture. You can't do that. That's crazy. Because the person passing to whom you hand the camera could be asymptomatic and could infect you through the camera. So you can't do that what they were saying or what Michelle was saying and she's right 1850 715 this is Cork's Gold Imro award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan text or WhatsApp now 96 on Cork's 96FM do you know what I wanted an excuse since about 1900 and frozen to death to play this and I used to play it back in the radio day back in the day we used to play it all the time haven't been able to play it for years it's got nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about but I'm going to play it anyway because it sounds nice go on here we go The great boss gags from Lido Shuffle back in the day. Now, Niall, he's not talking about anything you want to talk about, but I just wanted to use it. <laughs> Niall Kenny, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. You're campaigning for Lidos on the Lee. What's a Lido? A Lido is basically a floating pool that either uses the river water or like a barge can be filled with water that people can access all year round and it's open air and good for your health. We used to have one of these before, didn't we? We did indeed, built in 1934 and was stayed open until 1986 and was called the Lee Baths and now where the Kingsley Hotel sits. Was that an actual, actual river water that just filled it up every day or was it filtered or what was it? Cause I don't, I, it, I, it, it, it was originally filtered from the existing river water. Um, there are a couple of options in relation to um, how it's filtered normally it tends to be reed banks so naturally done with reeds which tends to filter out any issues but back in the day I think the river was fairly clean back there, that at that section on the lee fields anyway so I don't think it would have been an issue mm. and it would have been 50 metres of glorious river water yeah. now you grown up with. you you're an all round swimmer in, in the sea and you're one of these hardy Sandy Cove Island swimmers <laughs> So, so, so my next question will roll off you like cold water off a duck's back. It's too bloody cold to swim in the River Lee at this it's time not, of the well, year. At the, at, at the moment, it is in hovering around the ten degrees. And yeah, if you too cold. If you yes, but you you have options for wetsuits if you if you if you're feeling. Mm. Can you heat the cold these things? The Sorry. Can you heat these things? The, there are there are options on Lido that can get heated. Yes, if if you're using a tank version, like 
if you take, for example, they have an option in Vienna that's basically a converted barge. It's 33 metres by 12 metres. Uh, it is filtered and heated river water. So they, they pump in river water, filter it, and heat it up to about 28 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. And they run that all year round. Um, and they have then a, a, an additional barge sitting next to it, and they're both linked to the, the harb, to the quayside. Um, and they run a bar and a viewing spot off that, and that's run all year round then as well. Oh. So yes, you can. There are heated options available. You ran a, a Twitter poll to see would people indeed. use one of these facilities. I think they look. You put up pictures of the ones from around the world. They look brilliant. Yeah. And most of those I put up are in the Northern Hemisphere, up in the Baltics, essentially Sweden, Finland, uh, Copenhagen and Denmark. That So wa- cold water isn't an issue once you get acclimatised. And as it is, even the Sandy Coast swimmers swim the, around the island all year round, where weather permitting. I mean, it's not a question of cold. And you have even hardier than me who swim at under five degrees and do what's called the ice mile, which... I'm sorry, no, I'm not ready for that stage yet, but <laughs> I think there's a sufficient people in the city that would swim it all year round. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at, where would you put it? Well, I'd like more than one, but ideally at the moment we're probably looking at the marina as being the most viable option. Um, I believe this, I believe City Council are taking over the old ESB uh, power station plant down along the marina park. Yeah. So, uh, And that happens to be the widest part of the river. So with Tivoli, with the Tivoli docks being transferred down to Ringeskiddy as well, it means there's less traffic going to be on the water. So it would be an ideal location, and you still have your cycle path, your walkways, and your yeah. car parking, which means we saw, and your buses to get access. So it would be easy to get to, yeah. even during a busy summer period. I was having a socially distanced coffee with a friend of mine down in Black Rock Village there a couple of Fridays ago and you know where they've done that great work down in the village? There's that lovely yeah. circular area down what, well it should be a beach, it's more a mud flat than a beach and I looked out and I thought, you know what, on a summer's day that'd make a lovely swimming pool. It would, absolutely. And and the beauty of Lidos is that because they're, they're floating and, and they're sort of a pontoon based idea is you can custom make them to any shape. They don't necessarily have to be a rectangular 50 metre by 20 metre or what. So, but I was saying if you take that walk up past that curve and head towards the city, yeah, there's a light, nice long straight stretch along that with a nice high key wall that you could attach your pontoon to have your ramp up and down to allow for your tidal flow and you have basically a swimming pool for everybody. How would these things... Uh, how would they support themselves? Because you know, keeping the water clean and all that—it's—it's—it's it's got a bill. It's got a—it's got a cost in, involved. There, there is yes. There's, everything's got a cost, and there's always going to be a maintenance involved. And the, the filtering side of things, if you do it naturally, is you include your reed beds in in the build, um, and that's a natural filtration system. So all you have to do is maintain the reed beds. If you've you've already got the council maintaining all the the roundabouts and flower beds around the city an extra half an hour a year is not going to break the bank to, to make sure the reed beds are in a healthy condition to be fair Reed beds were good back in the days of the old Lee bats like you mentioned Niall but I'm not too sure yeah. reed beds would cut it now would they? Uh, when you build them into the actual pontoon set up themselves yes and they're, they're proven to work in in other cities that are known to have a lot greater 
Like the water if you Yes, over the last, I think, 15 years, the City Council have moved all the runoff into the, into the Lee downriver to a pump house. So, and we've, and we've had, I mean, you've two, every year you've got two regular swims. One that open water swim that starts the open water season is the Rebel Plunge yes. early July, in early June. Has 350 people going in every year for the last four years. Would have been the fifth year this year. Yeah. Um, you then have the Lee Swim, which has in up to 500, between 500 and 600 in the first week of July or end of June, depending on tides. Yeah. Go into the river, uh, and they've been doing that for 15 to 20 years, if not longer. Yeah. Um, without issue, fair enough. And when you get out, the we always have the old fire brigade ready there to hold you down. But I would say <laughs> that's more, more a general precaution. <laughs> more cold water, exactly. A general precaution than anything yeah. else, but there's been realistically no issue. And, and when you have that volume of people, quite happy to get in the, the river every year. Uh, yeah. They do it all year round. It sounds like they would, and like that. Your Twitter poll came back unashamedly. Yes, they would. And I think myself, well, certainly in the summer months, I would. I'm not too sure about going down there in on a, on a horrible morning at the end of November, but certainly I would in the summer. Love to. Yeah, sounds, yeah. sounds like an idea. And, and and I think that there's the whole pandemic has, has highlighted with the, with all the regular pools closed that, that there is no other alternative. Yeah. I mean, you can't bring... I, I would be... I have two kids of my own. I would be very slow to bring them to the river given the current where, where at least if you have a Lido, that takes that danger yes, factor out of it that they have an enclosed space. You can keep an eye on them there and they still get the benefit of swimming. Of swim. And, yes. and, and like that, I mean, I grew up in the days when the, when the Mon Pool was there which was never heated. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> I remember we, going up we, there one. Someone threw me into that one, and I haven't forgiven them since. Yeah, no. And we 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 started in the Mon Pool when I was four, so we we know cold water. And we yes. so it's I don't. <laughs> yeah, so we were well used to it, and I, I it's a question of just getting acclimatized to it, PJ. To be I fair, know, I know. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? We actually did during the summer. During the summertime, I found I must say I found that the sea around around our coast was surprisingly pleasant. When we weren't going to get to the Mediterranean this year, I found the sea yeah. around Cork surprisingly pleasant in in, in the summertime. Niall, it's and, a great. And this year has been colder than most. To be fair, so if you survive this year, you, you'll be no problem at all in the middle of winter for a lido. Oh, quite that. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely thought, but heated for me. Niall, I love the idea. I love the idea, and hopefully Thank someone you. will take it up for you. That's Niall Kenny, uh, all round swimmer, all year round swimmer in, in cold water. But he wants to put a Lido or a Lido or a Lido, whatever, down on the River Lee, a 50 metre pool that would be full of river water on a pontoon, filtered naturally, maybe heated for those among us who are afraid of the cold water. Would you go? I know I would. Finn says, ah, the Lee Bats. You could do a whole show on it. Hours of fun with the great Paddy Dennehy, the lifeguard with the booming voice. Happy days. Happy, happy days. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. And the other one, Finn, was, do you remember the two pools down where the Aluminium Hall is now? Where the Millennium Hall is, that used to be two pools. Um, there at Eglinton Street, there was two huge swimming pools, one next to the other. And here's the best bit. One was for men, and the other was for women. They had actually two pools. It's where I learned to swim. There was a woman called, was it Mrs. Mrs. Cahill was her name? She was one of a, a family of swimming teachers. My father threw me in to the shallow end and she proceeded to teach me to swim down there. But it was the, 
the men's pool or the women's pool you went into down in England in Eglinton Street we had great places to swim in Cork 1850 715996 uh, what are we getting oh yes we talked with um, Anna O'Connor on Friday about the lovely book Santa's Magic Mask and the demand for it is huge lovely lovely book they had some trouble with the Etsy platform so what they've done is they've set up their own website um, santasmagicmask.com santasmagicmask.com is their website now you can buy it through that so it's, it's, it's buying Irish so if you want to buy that lovely book Santa's Magic Mask dot com eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six quickly on churches I tell you something people with all sorts of topics of conversation today Mary says she's in Cove I think the government should open all the churches it's like living in Soviet Russia taking people's right to communal worship away from them if they want to cut back on the amount of infections surely they should stop having all the sailors cramped onto a ship that seems a more viable source of infection than big airy churches. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Eugene says, PJ, did you see the Cavan team yesterday after the match? No social distancing whatsoever as they searched the middle of the pitch looking for the coin the referee tossed. You're joking me. Sure didn't he put it back in his pocket? Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Listen, we're trying to get your help with some Christmas shows that we're doing on the Opinion Line between Christmas and New Year. We're doing a series of rewind shows. Now, they'll be mid-morning and they'll only run for an hour. But we want your help in putting them together, mainly because I'm too lazy myself. (laughs) So we want your help to put them together. Is there an item, an interview, a story, a guest that particularly you particularly enjoyed? or that you'd like to hear again from 2020. It could be the lighter side of COVID-19. It could be a news story we covered. It could be anything at all. It could be a good row we had with somebody. I don't mind. Let us know what that is, please. And we'll take some of them into consideration when we're putting together our content for the Opinion Line New Year and Christmas Rewinds. We need your suggestions in by the 1st of December. That's when we start putting the stuff together. So if you have anything in particular from 2020 that you'd like to hear again, Eugene, I got your message. That's not a bad idea, actually. That's not a bad idea. If you got your um, suggestions of something you'd like to hear again, opinion at 96fm.ie. Opinion at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Right, we've picked five winners for our headline competition today with Sanitizer Ireland. So hold on to see if yours was in there. Five winners today. We'll have one winner every other day this week. But just to kick it off for the Friday, for the Monday, we said we'd give you five winners today. I'll I'll read those out to you in a wee while. But first of all, we're always in fascinated by what's going on down at the Black Rock Castle Observatory and with the European the Irish space industry and there is a huge space industry in Ireland and you only realise how big it is when you actually start talking about it because it is huge 
And if you've ever taken a trip down, when it's open, of course, if you've ever taken a trip down and a wander around the observatory in Blackrock Castle, you get some semblance of just how important a tiny little country like ours is in space research. It'll blow your head away how important we are and how big a role we play and just how good we are at this. Uh, I know I'm buttering you up, Dr. Niall Smith from Blackrock Castle Observatory, but I mean every word. We, we really do punch above our weight here. We do, PJ. So uh, Ireland actually, uh, might come as a surprise, um, has been uh, engaged in the space industry for the last uh, more than 25 years, but since the establishment of the European Space Agency, we have about close to 100 companies, almost a, a half a billion euros turnover in those companies who are connected into space. And uh, that's one of the things, of course, that we're always interested in pointing out. But, but there's also, PJ, the excitement about the fact that this is all growing at a really increasing rate and it's becoming even more important and a lot more companies who at the moment aren't involved are going to be involved uh, in the next few years. So it's an exciting moment based upon, as you say, a, an enormous amount of effort that's already gone in and enormous return on investment. Incidentally, PJ, if you're a company and you're thinking, is it worth getting involved in space? Well, the average return on the investment of a company in space is somewhere between seven and nine to one. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but putting, uh, putting that sort of uh, odds on a horse uh, and getting that return, I think most of us will be pleased enough with that. So it, it is a way uh, to, to learn about the universe but it's also a way to, to make a, a business mm. sustainable and uh, and we hope to actually encourage more businesses to get involved in that uh, going forward. There's a new education plan as well isn't there? Yes so we have established um, this idea um, to we, well, we've collab- we're collaborating in CITMTU with um, Waterford Institute of Technology on developing this the the southern part of Ireland as the Irish Space Coast. And what we're really kind of saying is, look, we have a number of really uh, high-performing educational institutions who can help companies to reskill and upskill. And I just heard on the ad just before this piece uh, about the the, the stimulus package. So what we want to do is to start to help companies to to pivot towards looking at how space can be advantageous to them. And we're talking about companies in the the med-tech area, in the agri-tech area, in the cybersecurity, security, fintech, this whole issue of, uh, you know, um, keeping track of your and my money and all the rest and stock marks, the whole thing. A lot of that now is going to benefit very significantly from the developments that are going on at the moment in in the space industry. So um, that's what we want to do with this education side of things is to really push that and push the research side of it, ultimately with benefits to companies, ultimately with benefits to the region. Uh, and actually, uh, PJ, I would say as well that we're, we're concerned about the environment and, make, and, and having space help to protect the environment for us all as well and build sustainable How can, how can it do that? Yeah, so, so there's, there's a number of ways. I mean, w- w- one of the things that it, you can do from space is you can, for example, uh, on, on the agri-tech side of things, you can see where 
the, the, the crop growth in an area is, is more effective and less effective. You can see that very easily. You can use global positioning satellites then to position tractors to put the, the, the seed or the fertilizers in the right places in those farms. That's, that's one example. And that protects the environment because, of course, less fertilizer, less wasted seed and so on is, is more productive growth, which means you either use less land to produce the same amount of food or you grow more food uh, over more land or whatever. And, you know, so, so, that, so that's one example. But even things like, you know, flooding, one of the issues we have in Cork, of course, is flooding and it's making better models to predict on how we react before the flooding happens. So you can see from space, subwater, uh, subsurface water, not just water on the surface. And if the ground is very wet, then its ability obviously to hold water is less. So from space, you get a really, you know, you get these snapshots, which are, which you can't, easily do from the ground. You can do a lot of stuff from the ground, PJ, yeah. of course, but this helps to 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 to, to um, add in to lots of the great work that's already ongoing by the yeah. local authorities. So you're you know, saying that from stuff. space you can actually see floods starting to build? Yes, and, and wow. in fact... You, you, you can use it to, to look for subsurface water in places like deserts, you know, in communities. And uh, so you can kind of use it for the, for the two different things, one where you don't want it and one where you're looking for it. Um, so, uh, and there's been a lot of work done on looking for uh, subsurface uh, waters because um, uh, uh, I think some, something like 40% of the world's fresh water is actually, maybe it's even more actually, is underground. Um, oh. and, and so it's, it's, you know, in Ireland, we don't have such a problem with that. Some parts of the world, it's a, it's a big deal. So okay. um, that's, that, that, that gives us new opportunities. A yeah. um, couple of questions. I, I know that I think we might have discussed, I might have discussed this with you before, one of your mm. colleagues. The, the fascination, because we've, we've had a lot of time to do nothing but, yeah. of staring into space in, yeah. in the last eight months. You know, yeah. we, we've looked at our skies in ways we possibly never looked at them before. And, and seeing lights and wondering, what exactly is that? Is that a planet? Is that a star? What is it? It's so fascinating to look up. Mick, for example, was on to say, you can see about eight lights in the sky that are inclined to twinkle. Are they a satellite or what are they? He doesn't say what direction he's looking in. Right. So it, it, there's a couple of uh, things. If, if, the, uh, if the lights are, are moving... And slowly, so if they take sort of five or six minutes to go across the sky, then then they're a satellite. If mm. they if they twinkle, though, they're probably likely to be stars. So stars twinkle, planets don't. Yeah. Um, so a really sort of nice way to kind of get a sense of whether or not uh, it's a planet. And by the way, at the moment in the evening sky, Mars is very bright, yeah. uh, very red, and very easy to see. And if you look at it, it doesn't twinkle. So I'm guessing that that's uh, that, that 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 they're stars that 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 that, that he's looking at at, at the so that's. I was looking at that the other night. I was like, "What is that? Is that a, what? It's kind of a. It's kind of a reddish. It's very yeah. bright. I have yeah. a rusty color to it." Yeah, it is. And actually, rusty colour is good because it is actually rust on the surface of Mars. It's an iron oxide that causes Mars to be yeah. red. And at the moment, it, it, it was closest to us a couple of months ago now at this stage, or just just over a month ago, six weeks ago, I think it was. But it's still it's still a great sight. And in a way, you, you can't miss it. You just kind of look south after dark and there's yeah. this big red thing high up in the sky. Yeah, it's and, fabulous. Uh, and on, it on a is. clear night, it'll take your breath away. It's beautiful. And it's beautiful, actually. Actually, Dale, while I have you for a minute or two, hmm. when we are standing looking, and position ourselves on a clear night with a good moon, as they say. Mm. Is there anything in particular we can just see now with the naked eye, just to you know, just to excite ourselves a little bit? Yeah, well, I think we're coming into a, a really good time for um, uh, looking at um, some of the big winter constellations. So uh, we would, if you look 
to to the east just after dark, just a little bit after dark now, but as we come up to Christmas, it'll become more prominent. You'll see three various obvious stars in a row, which are the stars in the belt of Orion. And in a way, I would always encourage people to go out and look for Orion, because if, if you, uh, we obviously can't say everything on the radio, PJ, but, uh, uh, well, I'm not good enough to, 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 to do that graphic image for the listeners, but in Orion, you have regions which are, st- are, are forming stars, mm. so they're, they're little faint clouds, and you've also got a big, bright red star in Orion, which is at the end of its life. It's kind of what our sun is going to do in about five billion years' time. Um, And in the bottom right of Orion, you see a star that's very blue, and that's a star which is very young. So Orion shows you stars which are just starting out in their life, a star that's towards the end of its life, and a star that that, that is very big and bright. It's kind of like in its youth. Um, So in just that small part of the sky, and and, and the easy way to start to see Orion is all three stars in a row. They really are. If you've never seen these, you might be thinking, come on, three stars in a row? That can't be that obvious. Mm. But actually, once you see once you look east now, after the, and you'll, you'll just see the three of them. They're I've kind of seen amazing. Orion actually. I've mm. seen it before on clear time, and I know what to look for. And if you if you can you get a lovely clear night when they're close, if you're like close to us, yeah. it's yeah. an incredible sight. Yeah, it is. And you know something, uh, PJ? People often talk about. Um, this uh, thing that astronauts see, which is this uh, this um, overview effect for when when you look down on the Earth and you kind of feel small. But but actually, I I think of this underview effect that you know if on a clear night you're outside and you let your eyes get adapted to the dark and you look up, you kind of feel small in this awesome universe, you know. And I, I I agree with you. I think it does take your breath away. I've been looking at the skies for many many years. Mm. I still go, and at times you almost feel kind of intimidated by it. It just feels so large above you. But I, I just think it's a, it's a really good opportunity, given mm-hmm. that we're we're not able to to travel as much now and all the rest. So if we can get outside somewhere, it's a yeah. little bit dark. By the way, phones off. Don't look at your phone. It, it destroys your night vision. You'll see so much more yeah. after ten or fifteen minutes, and it's 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 really it's fab- nice. It's to, fabulous you know, on a, on a clear that. night. It really it really it really mm. is lovely. And you know what? It's the eternal question, and I personally refuse to accept that we're alone. Do you? I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah, I mean, we don't know yet, but I think it's highly unlikely. I mean, can you imagine if we were, how amazingly rare and unique that would make us? Mm. Um, but I, I think it's unlikely. But one thing that we we kind of are learning, I think, is that life with our level of intelligence, um, and we can all make the jokes about it, but life with our level of intelligence appears to be rare in our vicinity at least we see we've, we've been looking so sometimes for rare in the streets <laughs> sometimes rare rare on the streets maybe indeed but uh yeah so i, I we, we are we are pretty much we are we, we may not be alone in the universe but we're pretty much on our own at the moment on okay. this ball of ours and so you know it's uh it's it's a it's a it's something to ponder uh, and it goes back to our earlier comments about sort of the environment, protecting our planet, all those sort of comments and looking after each other and treating each other well. Because we're, we're kind of, you know, we're just on this small ball in a very big universe. And if there are others out there, they're probably very far away and uh, unlikely to be uh, coming to help us anytime soon. So, um, yeah, interesting. There's a huge adventure out there for us. And hopefully through the great work of people like yourselves down at the Blackrock Castle Observatory and the other, all the various colleges, uh, a lot of people will get to explore it going forward and make a huge amount of money from it too. Thanks, Dr. Niall Smith at Blackrock Castle Observatory. Look out for, look out for Orion.
get your night vision organised and look up at it. It's fascinating to watch. 1850 I'm not going to get to Liam, guys. I've got to do my winners. We have five winners today with Sanitizer Ireland. Fiona Hennessy for Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle All the Way. Looks as though Santa's coming with vaccines in his sleigh. John Colin Balancholic, Vax Bigs. Vax brings crack back to the max. Thank you, John. Jude says, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is a Vaccine makes number one. Val and Ballyvalan says, Vaccination. And the winner, the overall winner, well, no, actually, they're all winners. Donald O'Sullivan says, Bat out of hell, Vaccine flies in for Christmas. You are getting into it. You are getting into the spirit of it. Good to see. I think that's about it for today, is it? It is indeed. The program edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry.